This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. How did the entire world get this fat this fast? Did everyone just become a bunch of gluttons and sloths? Obesity has been around since there were people. It's been around for 50,000 years easy. And it was around before McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's. It was around before Coca-Cola. Obesity is part of the human condition. And there are evolutionary reasons why obesity has been selected for in individual populations because people who store energy are more likely to be able to survive periods of famine. So there is a selection process that goes on all the time. But none of those things explain how in 30 years we have gone from being svelte, if you will, to basically being unbelievably sick. That's what an epidemic, or a pandemic in this case, looks like. That's what plague, influenza, look like. And the question is, what would be the exposure that could account for this? And if it was just gluttons and sloths, how do you explain the obese six-month-old? We have an epidemic of obese six-month-olds in this country. They don't diet and exercise. You're going to call them a bunch of gluttons and sloths? This goes way beyond the question of personal responsibility. We have felt like it's the individual's responsibility to keep their energy balance, to eat the right amount and stay the right weight. But when something goes wrong, like the majority of the population becoming overweight, we have to question that model and we have to look at the forces outside of ourselves, these huge societal environmental forces that are shaping obesity. The reason we're in this epidemic can be summed up with one statement, one idea that has become so pervasive that has become sacrosanct, that it has become dogma. And that statement is, a calorie is a calorie. It's the first thing dietitians learn in dietary school. If you eat more than you burn, you will gain weight. If you eat less than you burn, you will lose weight. And it doesn't matter if those calories come from carrots or cheesecake. The bottom line is, a calorie is a calorie. You eat too much, you exercise too little. And that's the mantra, and guess what? It doesn't work. And the reason it doesn't work is because a calorie is not a calorie. The only dogma is there is none. Choose your favorite hypothesis. There's so many. Well, you know, what is it in our environment? Is it just the excess of food? Is it the high fructose corn syrup? Is it the antibiotics we're taking? the estrogens, different hormones and hormone mimickers. 
Is it the intrauterine environment? All of these factors play a role. So it is not just one thing. I mean, if there's one big thing, it's, of course, it is our food environment. Fast foods, fast preparing, fast eating, and fast causing disease, too. And we, in our two-parent working, two-hour commuting, two-job life, do not have time for food. This is the biggest issue that we currently face. It is the reason that the industrial global diet has taken over the world, is because with all of our labor-saving devices, with the cars and the computers and lawnmowers that you sit on instead of push, etc., etc., all of those things have actually reduced our time, not created it. So this is a function of the changes that we have made in our society ostensibly for our benefit. The question is, are they? Well, there's been a number of changes um, in the last 30 years in how we interact with food, with our food supply. There's over 24,000 different foods that enter the marketplace every year. Then there's the issue of sleep patterning, stress, how we feed our animals, the nutrients in the soil. There's a number of, of different issues at play all of these converge on, I think, uh, adding to something to the obesity epidemic. The Western diet, our diet, that we prize and export all over the globe has now become the industrial global diet because it's cheap, it's portable, it has no depreciation, witness the 10-year-old Twinkie, and it was designed to taste really good, to keep people eating. This is now everywhere. This is the exposure. This is what, what has changed. I think we have had a perfect storm. We have had the confluence of this changed food environment, the restricted activity, like no PE in schools, and chemicals that we're not quite sure what we're being exposed to. And they're working together. Boy, does that look good. But honey, what will these calories do to my waistline? Relax, it's diet delight. There was a big war in the food uh, field back in the 60s and 70s. And the war was fat or sugar. And so we were remanded as a country to reduce our consumption of fat from 40% to 30%. Well, guess what? We did it. We are there. But the total consumption of calories, and specifically carbohydrate, and especially sugar, has gone through the roof. So it was that directive, that edict of the late 1970s that started the obesity and metabolic syndrome ball rolling. It is almost impossible to buy those packaged foods without getting a lot of extra sugars that are just going to be toxic for your metabolism. 
I'm suspicious of anything that says low-fat or diet because you know that that means that they've had to compensate with a lot of these added sugars. A perfect example, snack wells. So what's a snack well? Two grams of fat down, 13 grams of carbohydrate increased, four of which are sugar. No fewer calories, same number of calories. And if fat's not the problem and sugar is, you can see where we're going here. And there's also the change in the food supply so that those highly palatable foods are more easily accessible. So we can reach for that comfort food uh, at any street corner at any time during the day and have a few extra calories. When we talk about the diseases of obesity, we are talking about type 2 diabetes, hypertension, lipid problems, so blood fats, if you will, heart disease. Those are sort of the big four, if you will, that constitute what we classically call the metabolic syndrome. However, we now know that there are several other diseases that fall within this scope as well. For instance, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which now affects one-third of all Americans. Polycystic ovarian syndrome, which affects 10% of all women. Cancer, and also dementia. Now here's the key. Everyone thinks that those downstream diseases are because of the obesity. And that could not be further from the truth. The obesity travels with those diseases, but the obesity is a marker for those diseases. 20% of obese people have a completely normal cellular metabolism, and they will live to a normal age. 40% of thin people, normal weight people, have those same chronic metabolic diseases and will die of them. Nobody dies of the obesity per se. They die of the diseases that come from the metabolic dysfunction. So when you do the math, that accounts for 60% of America. We are not talking about a minority. We are talking about the majority. So when you add up the medical costs for those eight diseases, that is 75% of health care expenditures. Not just ours, not just America, but all over the world. So much so that in September of 2011, the United Nations Secretary General announced that non-communicable disease, that is chronic metabolic disease, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, hypertension, cancer, dementia, now posed a bigger threat to the developing world, not the developed world, the developing world, then did acute infectious disease, and that includes HIV. This is enormous. This is mind-boggling. This is absolutely staggering that developing countries have a bigger problem with obesity and diabetes than they do with cholera and other infections. When you think about that, that 
really has to stop and give you pause. Something is going on here. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.